Well, let's get into this today. Father, we pray that over the next couple of moments, you'll speak to us. I, I firmly believe that today is an ordained day for many people. That God, if we will take what you want to say to us today to heart and put it into practice, God, you're going to help us live in the victory that you want us to enjoy every day. Uh, what we're going to talk about today, Lord, is not always going to be easy to do, but it will give us a reason to celebrate if we'll follow through. So Holy Spirit, speak. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand what you want to say right here in this moment to this, camp, this congregation on this campus, to those who are online, to those who will listen to this later. We pray it all right now in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said. I want to ask you a question. <clears throat> what in your life right now is tripping you up? What is it in your life? And it may be a half a dozen things, right? But I'm just asking you to think about one. What is it in your life right now that if you could say, man, this right here is, is keeping me from having peace with myself, or, or this right here is keeping me from having peace in my walk with God, or maybe even this, to, this thing I'm dealing with right now is causing me conflict with other people. What, what is it right now, if, if you were to narrow it down, I just want you to think about this. I don't want you to say it out loud. I, I, you don't have to tell anybody. I just want you to contemplate this for a moment because I want you to understand that God in heaven wants you to have victory in your life, that God's will, and we see this all through the gospel. It's the reason God so loved the world he sent his son. It's what Jesus preached in, in the Nazareth synagogue with his first sermon when he said, I come to set the captives free. God wants you to have victory in your life. God wants you to live with peace with yourself, peace in your relationship with God, and peace in relationship to your fellow man. But every one of us has got something that we need to work on daily in order for that to happen. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been serving the Lord, these are issues that we're gonna deal with for the rest of our lives until we meet, make it to heaven and see Jesus someday. There are things that are always Satan is throwing in our path to trip us up. It's a hurt here, an unforgiveness there, an addiction over there. It's a struggle there, it's a temptation over there. It's a memory, it's, it's unforgiveness, whatever it is, but there's always things that come up. And I want you to ask yourself the question, what is it today that's tripping me up from having the walk I need to have with God, with myself, and with others? Because God wants you to have victory. And when we come to this festival, this Jewish festival, we're in a series called Celebrate. We've got one more week in this series. We're looking at the seven Jewish festivals that God gave the ancient people of Israel. And, and for 3,500 years, they're still celebrating these. And in every one of them, there's a call to action and a call to acknowledge God's character and a call to look to the Messiah. And what you and I have the opportunity to do is now we get to look back at these festivals and if we know who Christ is and we see what Christ has done, we can see Jesus as the fulfillment of every one of these festivals. And so we have a reason to celebrate even more than anyone else because we can celebrate because we can see the Messiah has come and has already fulfilled this. In the first three, which happened in the spring, do you remember what they are? Passover, um, unleavened bread, and first fruits. We saw what Jesus has done for us. Because as we studied through those, if you remember, they all pointed to his death, his burial, and his resurrection. 
How many are thankful for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Our sins can be atoned. The grave has been conquered. Hallelujah for that. We can live free to grow in our walk with God because we've been restored into relationship. We have a new covenant because of Jesus. Last week, we talked about Pentecost. And we looked at that feast and we saw that now it's what we see Jesus doing in us. Because in Pentecost, now when we become a believer, a follower of Jesus, and we surrender our lives to Christ, and the blood of the Lamb cleanses us of all our sin, we are filled with the very presence of God, the Spirit of the living God, empowering inside of us. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us now. And if we tap into the Holy Spirit and allow him to have control of our lives, we can live in that kind of victory, right? But watch this, watch this, watch this. Today we come to the fifth of the feast. And this one happens down in the fall and it's the beginning of three holy feasts in what the Jewish people would tell you is the holiest month of the year. And it begins with the Feast of Trumpets followed by Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and then booths or festivals. And if you've been in the series, you, re you remember David Brickner from Jews for Jesus came and actually preached and he started with number seven. And so we have this week and next week we'll be on the Day of Atonement. Look with me at Leviticus chapter 23 on your message notes and see with me uh, how God began to tell them to observe this festival. He said, the Lord spoke to Moses Tell the Israelites on the seventh month, everybody shout seven. On the first day of the month, somebody shout the first day. This is important, watch this. You are to have a day of complete rest, commemoration, and trumpet blast. Somebody shout, blow the trumpet. Yeah, we're gonna have fun here in a minute. A sacred assembly, you must not do any daily work, but you must present a food offering to the Lord. Now, what is gonna go on in the Jewish world at this moment? Now, it's gonna happen on the first day of the seventh month of the Jewish calendar, the month of Tishri. This is the holiest month. It is the number seven. And in Jewish numerology, seven is the number of completion. It is, is the number of fulfillment. And, and what God is doing here with the beginning of this is he's saying, I want to show you how to live whole. I want to show you how to live full. I want to show you how to live complete. And we're going to see it in this trumpet festival, this celebration. And I just think it's kind of interesting too. You come out of the spring with the blood of the lamb and the unleavened bread being buried and then rising again and the first fruits where you give yourself back to God as the first fruit offering unto the Lord, the one who's risen from the dead. And then you come down and you got Pentecost and Pentecost kind of stands by itself and it's now the Holy Spirit and the age of the church. And then you come to the fall, the seventh month, the month of completion and the next sound you hear is the sound of a ram's horn, a shafar, a trumpet. It goes something like this. <laughs> Y'all know I could do that? Well, I can't. Somebody else did, but that recording was pretty good, was it not? Come on, somebody. <laughs> I wish I could blow that thing. It's mine. I just can't blow it. But can you imagine the next sound you hear after Pentecost 
is a trumpet. Now, trumpets are used all in the Bible. Trumpets were used to call people to an assembly. And a moment ago, as we were reading out Leviticus, did you notice that at the trumpet blast, the people were to congregate, to assemble together. They would come together in an assembly like this. They would gather. Trumpet blasts were also used to call the people to come together and go to battle, go to war. They would blow the trumpet to come together and go fight. Revelation chapter 8 says, one day angels will take a trumpet like these, and angels will blow them as God pours out his final wrath on the earth, calling people to repentance and destroying the work of Satan. There's another trumpet one day that's going to sound according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. One day, another trumpet of God is going to sound. And when that trumpet sounds, every eye is going to look up and behold, the Lord Jesus is going to be coming back on a cloud. And at the last trumpet, we who are alive are going to be called up and be gathered together and the dead in Christ are going to rise. Ain't no grave going to hold our bodies down. And we're going to be gathered together in an assembly with the Lord around the marriage. Supper of the Lamb. We're just waiting to hear a trumpet blast. But today's trumpet blast, the trumpet blast of the Feast of Trumpets, is a call to awaken out of slumber. It's a call to wake up out of apathy. It's a call to now that you who have been atoned by, uh, your sins have been atoned by the blood of the lamb at Passover. You who are filled with an indwelling power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God are now to go and live in victory. Here's how we live in victory. While we wait for the last trumpet and to see the Lord Jesus come back someday. We're to live in victory. How many want some victory in your life? There are three disciplines that come out of the Feast of Trumpets, that if you and I will employ these three disciplines in our lives, we will have much more victory in our lives. Because you can be, listen, 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 you can be redeemed of your sins. You can have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside you and still have issues tripping you up walking with God. And it's not that the power is not there, it's that we're not tapping into it. And there's a process for us to tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit and, let, and live in victory. And here's the first one, and I want you to write this down. When you come into the Feast of Trumpets, and when uh, the Feast of Trumpets would begin, and the, everyone in, ta- in the community would hear the trumpet blow, the shafar, it began 10 days of awe. And on the 10th day would be Day of Atonement. 10 days of all, and the first discipline in the 10 days of all, watch this, write this down, is reflection. It's a call of reflection. And I believe today the Holy Spirit of God is blowing the trumpet in our hearts and saying today we need some reflection. We need some reflection. How many of you want to live holy and in victory with the Lord? You want that? I want that. We all want that. Here's what I know about us. If we don't, listen, we can't get to where we want to be if we don't stop and realize where we are. You can't get to where you want to be if you don't stop and realize where you are. How many of you have ever gotten on your your phone or your navigation system and put in a destination? After you put in the destination, what does it always ask you? What's the next question? Where are you starting from? 
And it'll ask you, do you want to use your present location or you got to type in a new location to figure out from point A to point B. But you can't get to where you want to be until you know where you're starting from. And God is calling us. Watch this, watch this. If you want to live in daily victory, you got to have daily moments of silence and solitude and reflection. And I know, listen, I know, I know your schedule's crazy. Mine's crazy too. Everybody, the devil has done a masterful job of making our lives so busy, we don't have time to get quiet before the Lord. Amen? We all busy. I mean, I bet there's nobody on your calendar that if I, you pulled up, maybe one or two of you, uh, but probably most people wouldn't have in their calendar every day a spot where I just get to be quiet with God. In fact, we get up, out, we jump out of bed with a to-do list that we made the night before. We take off running to accomplish everything we got to get done and we slide into the covers at night and go to sleep only to wake up and repeat the cycle the next day, Amen. And God says, I, I, I'm, I'm blowing the trumpet at this festival. They would blow the trumpet and it would call everybody to have to change their schedule and make time to sit quietly in the presence of God. By the way, how many of you have ever been in a, a one-sided conversation before? Let me see some hands. Anybody ever been in a one-sided conversation? How about you online? You ever put, just don't put nobody's name in there. Just put hands. You ever been I, in the last service? We had we had we had husbands pointing at wives and wives pointing at husbands. It's like, man, we ain't got enough marriage coaches for this. Anyway, so don't point at nobody. But how many has ever been in a one-sided conversation? How many of you have ever found yourself just wishing you could get a word in? I mean, you're like, would you please be quiet and let me say one thing back? Do you know we do the same thing to God? How many times in our prayer life is it we go in immediately talking, hey, Father, and, and then we go through our prayer, whatever we're wanting to say to the Lord, and then in the back of our mind, we're already thinking about the next to-do list that we gotta go hurry up and do, and so we pray even faster. Anybody y'all ever prayed like an auctioneer? Pray real fast, Lord Jesus. And then you finally get to the end and you say amen, and you get up and you get back into it. And what did we not do? We didn't let God speak back. And I wonder sometimes how often does God want to say to us, would you please be quiet and let me get one in, word, word in edgewise? Because see, listen, listen, you can be saved and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. You can be a believer and still need to hear a word from your father to get victory over what you're struggling with. Or to realize something you hadn't even caught on to yet because he sees all and he knows all and he's just trying to help you. And, and, and listen, here's what I want to challenge you to do. In your prayer life, start working in prayer time, in your prayer time, at least somewhere during the day, a few moments where after you're praying, you just stop and listen. And you invite God, watch this, watch this, this is hard to do. Listen, I'm, I know I'm not preaching anything easy and I know you're like, how do I celebrate this? You will in a moment, watch this. But you begin to pray, oh Father, I give you permission to reveal to me any area that needs some work, any sin that needs to be repented of, any issue I need to deal with, or watch this, watch this, watch this, or even some fruit or attribute I need to add. Maybe I need to add a little humility. 
Maybe I need to add a little forgiveness. Maybe I need to add a little graciousness. Whatever it is, God, I give you permission. Now, when I'm preaching that to you and I'm thinking about my own self, I know that what most of us feel in that moment is that's intimidating. I don't know that I want to give God that permission, right? Because we, we, we don't want to feel the condemnation that comes. We don't want to feel that conviction. But I need everyone to understand something. There's a huge difference between conviction and condemnation. The devil condemns, God convicts. And it's the difference between a bully and your father, a heavenly father. You see, when God convicts us, it's never because he's mad or ashamed of us. That's what the devil says. When God convicts us, it's always to improve you and give you victory. And in the Jewish culture, when they come to Feast of Trumpets, that's actually the idea that they come into these 10 days of all with because they're reminded of something. They're all reminded that this has been going on now for 3,500 years, all the way back to the Exodus, when God made a covenant with his people. And it's the fact that they're in covenant with God that gives them the encouragement and the courage to be able to ask God, God, search me and know me. Because it's no more of, well, I don't want God to see what I'm messed up in. I don't want, to see God, I don't want God to see my addiction. I don't want to see God to see my temptation. I don't want God to see my unforgiveness or my wound that's never been healed. Look up at me, congregation. Let me tell you something. He already sees it. He's wanting you to see it. Because if he can let you see it, he can put you on the path to being healed from it. And now you can have some victory and then you'll celebrate. You hearing me today? There's nothing you can hide from him anyway that he can't see. So don't look at it that way. Listen, this is, if you, listen, if you're in Christ, you're already under covenant. I, I want you to notice something. It's not a mistake where the Feast of Trumpets lands in the series of the festivals. It comes after Passover, after the blood's been applied. It comes after unleavened bread and first fruits where the resurrection has happened and you're free now to live in Christ. It comes after Pentecost, after you've been filled with the very presence of the spirit of the living God. Now comes a time where you need as a spirit-filled believer to say, God, I give you permission, look me over and help me live pure and victorious in my life. Look with me at Psalm, um, on your scripture there, Psalm 139. Let's read this out loud. Come on, online campus, you help me with this. Let's read it out loud. This is a prayer of invitation to God during our times of reflection. Let's read it. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way, of, in the everlasting way. Now, how many know that prayer, if you're worried that God's going to kick you out or be disappointed in you, would be really hard to pray? This prayer is given to us in the Bible, not as a prayer to say, God, I want you to show me where you're disappointed in me. It's, in a, it's a prayer of confidence saying, my heavenly father, I want, to show you, I want you to show me how I can get more victory in my life. You see the difference? It's the perspective of whether or not you understand you're in covenant with the father. If you're here today or watching online and you're not a Christian, the greatest decision you will make today is to come into covenant with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Invite Jesus Christ to forgive your sin and to come into your heart and experience his salvation 
and then begin this walk with the Lord. And those of you who are already Christians, you have already received Christ as your Lord and Savior, understand this, God wants you to invite him to daily search your heart so you can live in victory. The Jewish people for 10 days would ask these questions. God, is there anything in my life that is separating our relationship? Is there anything in my life separating my relationship to others? And then it required the second discipline because it's one thing to know what it is. How many know that it's something totally different to do something about it? How many know there are people sitting in churches all over the world that the Holy Spirit has revealed things to, but they've never done anything with, and so they're still in the bondage of it? The second one is this. The second discipline, write this down, is repentance. It's repentance. It's letting God, walking with the Lord and inviting him and saying, God, search my heart and know me. If you notice in Psalms, David would pray, Lord, as I meditate on you in the bed, as I lay in my bed, I meditate on you. He says, I I know you're my helper. This is God wanting to help you. Help you do what? Turn things around. This whole idea of repentance is doing something about it. It's putting it into action. This is when you go to battle. This is when you go to war with yourself. Because here, here we are walking with the Lord. You who want to do right, you want to have peace with God, peace with each other, peace in yourself. You want to live in victory. You're going through here and you pray, Lord, I, I, man, I keep tripping. I keep falling down. I keep making mistakes. What is it? Holy Spirit, reveal it to me. The Holy Spirit does his job. He begins to reveal some things to you. I need to work on this. I need to talk to that person. I need to ask forgiveness here. I need to be more kind over there, more patient over here. But if you keep going in this same direction, nothing changes. You just are aware of your struggle. And you're going around, I'm sure I'm thankful I'm saved by grace, but I'm still messed up. God wants you to live in victory. And the only way you can live in victory, watch this, watch this, watch this, is the word repent means change your direction. You got to turn around. Somebody shout, turn around. Turn around. Wait, you're not going to sing that, that secular music. Here we go. You turn around, and when you turn around, now you're changing direction. And I know what some of you are thinking. Change is hard. I've tried. And when, you, when, the whole, when the Holy Spirit reveals things to us, how many know there's another voice that often goes into our mind? It's the voice of the evil one. And what does he say? You can't do that. You can't fix that. You can't make that decision. You can't turn that around. They'll never hear you. They'll never forgive you. God can't deal with that. You've done that way too many times. The devil is a liar, and he comes in to drag you down and keep you in bondage. But remember, Jesus said, I come to set you free. And now you've got, if you're a Christian, you've got the power of the Holy Spirit in you. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And I told you last week, no more should the words, I can't be in your vocabulary. But now you should be saying, with God, all things are possible. And when the Holy Spirit convicts you, now it's time to turn around. And you turn yourself around, you say, it's not going to be easy, and I can't do this on my own, but Greater is he that's in me than he that's of the world. And if God be for me, who can be against me? And I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus who gave himself for me. And you turn yourself around. Mm. That too loud? Y'all gonna be all right out there? Woo! I'm telling you, the Lord wants you to have some freedom in your life. 
And you're going to have to have times of reflection. You can't jump into victory if you don't stop and reflect till the Lord can show you what he needs to work on. But then you need to have the confidence that in covenant with the Lord and in the power of his spirit, he can help you turn that thing around. And it's not going to be easy. He didn't say it would. But he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you and I'll walk with you through it all. How many thank God for a God who doesn't leave you? Now do you start seeing why they called this a celebration? God's wanting them to have victory in their lives. God wants you to have victory in your life. And if you're in Christ Jesus, you can have victory. This is what James chapter four is talking about. Listen to it. It says, therefore submit to God. Somebody shout submit to God. And resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Most of the time, and listen, I grew up this way too. I just thought that meant, all right, I'm fighting temptation, I'm fighting the devil, I'm just gonna stand right here and not move and just tell the devil, you ain't gonna get me, ain't gonna get me, ain't gonna get me, and wait for him to leave. That's not what this is talking about. This means as you're going and the Holy Spirit reveals things to you and you need freedom, you need victory, you need to turn things around, I resist the devil by quit walking in the same direction that he's trying to get me to go. I'm gonna resist him by turning around. I promise you, you will find resistance and I'm gonna submit myself now to God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Resist the devil and submit to God. That's when he flees. Watch this, watch this. He says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I've watched people in church so many times when they start being tripped up by their own sins or, or by the unforgiveness or the pain of sorrow or relationships that's been broken. Instead of running to the Lord, they've ran away from him. And I want you to know that the scripture says the way you resist the devil is don't turn away from God, run to God because God's not mad at you. God's not trying to condemn you. God's trying to set you free. The father's standing there like this. Come on, come on, I got you, come on. And you've got to be willing to come. He's already done all the work and he's waiting for you. This is what he means when he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, mourn, and weep. And let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord that he may exalt you. And when you come to that place where you I'm sick and tired of going in this direction and you truly turn to the Lord, that's when he's gonna lift you up. How many has ever had a child that you just kept saying, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And when they finally came, you picked them up. And they realized they didn't even have to walk by themselves. All they had to do is make the first step and you pick them up. I do this with my grandkids all the time. Come on, you want pap? Come here, pap, get you, come on. Come on. I want them to want to come. So does your father. So does your heavenly father. Y'all with me today? Amen. That's why I want you to have confidence. If you're in covenant with Jesus and God reveals sin to you, whether it's between you and him or with someone else, don't run, run to him. He's not condemning you, he's trying to give you freedom. He's not trying to whip you or chasten you, he's trying to set you free. Get the perspective right. 
Come to 1 John 1, 9 and understand what it's truly saying. Read it with confidence in the covenant that you have in Christ, where you're sealed to the day of redemption. Look at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, what will Jesus promise to do? And you can take this to the bank. You can have confidence in this. If we confess our sins, he is, read, faithful and righteous to do what? Forgive our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It doesn't say he might. It says he will. Come with confidence. He's saying, come on, son. Come on, daughter. And I'll help you take the third step. And the third discipline is reconciliation. Reconciliation. I, I pro listen, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. I promise you. Whew. I'm preaching today. Y'all listening? I'm taking my time. We're going to do this. God wants to set you free. Reflection. Repentance. And repentance, if you'll follow it, will lead to reconciliation. How do you get reconciled to the Father? First John told us, confess your sin to the Lord. Now there's peace back with the Father. What about with your man, your fellow man? The same pattern that gives you freedom with the Father is the same that can give you freedom with other people. Look with me on your message notes at James 5. James 5 and 16, what does it say? Therefore, confess your sins to... I'm gonna make y'all read it. You know I am. So come on. You wanna go to lunch or not? Here we go. Therefore, <laughs> to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be... What's the key? What does God wanna do? Does he wanna embarrass you? No, he wants to heal you. One day a guy came to Jesus and said, Lord, what's the greatest commandments? Jesus said, there's two, actually. The first one is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it interesting that at the Feast of Trumpets, you were to ask yourself the question, do I have anything against me and God? Is there anything against me and someone else? All God's worried about is trying to get you to live by the two great commandments. And when you come to a time of reflection, you ask, God, is there anything between me and you? Is there anything between me and someone else? And when, you, when he reveals it to you, you repent of it, you confess it. God, forgive me. You say to a friend, to someone that you're offended or in a broken relationship with, if I have wronged you in any way, I'm sorry. Now look up here, look up here, look up here. R Romans tells us, that you are to do everything possible to live at peace with everyone. But we all know it takes two sides to build a relationship. And you have no control over the other side. That is not on you. What is on you is did you do your part to bring reconciliation? Did you apologize to you? Did you ask for a reconciliation? And if they receive you, great. You've won your brother or your sister back. But if they refuse to receive you, it's no longer on you. You're free. You did your part. The Holy Spirit will deal with them. You now can have victory. When you confess your sin to God, he forgives you. When you confess it to someone else, it frees you. Amen? 
But you know, I just have to take my word for it. Sometimes you need to hear somebody other than the preacher. I get it. I want you to watch this powerful little testimony of a friend of mine who's in this church, a guy named Wes. Wow, what a testimony. Watch this. Uh, my name is Wes Dobson, and uh, I came from a great family. My dad's a pastor. I grew up in church. I was in church before I was even born, and um, I had every opportunity afforded to me, but even with everything God had given me, I decided that's not what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, in high school, I started uh, getting involved with alcohol and drugs, and I uh, was in and out of a little trouble here and there in high school, uh, but as I got older, um, it progressed to harder drugs uh, to the point where I was using a needle every day for the next 20 years. Um, I was in and out of, it was a never-ending cycle. I was in and out of rehabs and jail, and I would get sober, and I'd get, then I'd get out, and I'd be good for six months, and then I'd relapse again. And like I said, for the next 20 years, I just destroyed my life. I lost everything. I lost... Uh, I always say uh, it got to the point where I had no one, which wasn't true. I did have people, but it was because of the decisions that I made. They weren't going to help me because I was just destroying my life. Um, in about in 2014, I ended up uh, going to a rehab called Teen Challenge. Um, this was one of many rehabs, but this one was, I guess, different. Uh, it touched my life. I learned a lot about God, and I, I, um, a lot of good things happened while I was there. And I would like to say that I graduated that program and I moved forward in life and did great, but that wasn't true. I got out, I graduated, I started working there, um, did good for a while, and once again, got right back in that cycle. For the next three more years, I would leave Teen Challenge, relapse, go back to Teen Challenge, relapse again, go back to Teen Challenge. And then uh, the final straw, the uh, where I hit rock bottom is I went to, ended up getting arrested for delivery and manufacturing of a controlled substance and ended up going to prison. And a lot of people say that's a bad thing. It was a bad thing. It was horrible uh, conditions, but uh, God used that time. Uh, I guess it was just time away that I needed because going to rehab and then having people there for me and getting out wasn't working. I needed to get out. I needed to get away. Uh, when I got out of prison, I went back to Teen Challenge for the fourth time, um, but I guess uh, God had changed my heart in prison, and uh, he put people, it was different this time because I was ready to make a change. I wanted to do things different. Uh, God was working through me. While I was in prison that time away, I was able to look back. I was sober during that time and see how much God had done for me while I was out there in my mess. It was crazy. I would be actively using drugs and something would come up about God or Teen Challenge in a, in a, in a place where that should not, you know, that should not, why, why would that conversation come up? The Holy Spirit was working in my life, had his hand in my life the whole time. Uh, when I got to Teen Challenge, uh, I was able to, there's a man named Chance Patino who was a mentor to me and God used that man in Teen Challenge to save my life. And ever since then, I've, got, I've uh, left there. I've gotten married. Have a great relationship with my my wife, my kids, uh, my parents. Um, I get emotional because I look back and see I don't deserve the life that I have. I should be I should be dead. And I could tell you story after story um, of times that I should not be alive. But God has. I mean, miraculously changed my life and done things for me and provided for me and I should not be here. I'm just grateful for everything that he has done.
to appreciate Wes's testimony. You know, your story may not sound like Wes's, but I promise you there's things tripping you up. Things trip me up. I wanna live in victory. I pray you do as well. That's why this feast is so important for us, to, to stop for a moment and realize that God's already sounding this trumpet, right? He's already sounding a trumpet, and it's every day, not just 10 days out of the year. Every day, if we wanna live in victory, to follow the very same principles he's had going on for 3,500 years. Just stop, take a look, invite the Holy Spirit to do his work. Realize that if you're in covenant with Christ, there's no condemnation here. Remember Romans 8, 1, no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. When God convicts you of sin, it's not condemnation. It's to give you victory, to give you healing, to give you deliverance. It's so you can, break some hold that Satan has been thrown at you. And so you look more like Jesus and become more like him. And when you can allow yourself just to allow the Holy Spirit of God to heal and to work you, you truly repent of it. Give it to the Lord and you, you, you do everything in your power to walk in the Spirit, not continue down that path. And if you need to, you're going to make reconciliation with others. And when you confess your sins, you make reconciliation with the Father. And you can live in victory. And here's what I want you to capture. Here's the big takeaway. Here's what I want you to understand. It's daily surrender to the Lord that is the key to having victory in your life. This doesn't allow Satan to have a long enough hold to get his claws back in to destroy your life because every day you're just making time alone with the Father and letting him cleanse you. Listen, this week, I, I struggled with this sermon this week and I'd already written it. I, I, I was done, so I was already working on next week. But I caught myself one day just struggling with the voice in the head of my own failures and, and my own past and y'all have had that happen to you too, right? And, and I, I was sitting there one day, just quiet with the Lord. And it was almost as if I could, I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was, it was as clear as day. It's like, what are you preaching on this Sunday? And I realized that the Lord was trying to heal some mess that I had carried even from my childhood, a feeling like I could never be good enough to be loved by God. And even me, your pastor, sometimes I struggle with living in the covenant and realizing that when God reveals something to me, it's to give me victory, not to tell me he's disappointed. Are you saved? Are you in that covenant with Jesus? Have you received him as your Lord? If so, he wants you to have freedom, folks. He wants you to live in victory. Because one day, 1 John 2, 28 tells us, look at it there with me. So now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, say that together, when he appears, we may have, what's the next word? Confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. That verse is a verse that God has used to give me so much healing because it's telling us that if we live every day allowing the Holy Spirit to give us reflection and repentance and reconciliation, one day when that last trumpet does sound, one day when Jesus comes again, you don't have to fear that day, you can look forward to it. You don't have to be ashamed when he comes because we're living in victory, amen?